This is The Playbook. Hey, this is Dave Meltzer live at the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas at the Blue Wire Studios. And we are so excited because I love when I'm able to have an old friend who is going through the same thing I'm going through, <laughs> this shocking world of sports and entertainment and technology. And I added technology. J.B. Bernstein, executive producer of the amazing movie, uh, The Million Dollar Arm by Disney. He represents some of the greatest athletes of all times, including Barry Sanders, who's one of my favorites uh, of all time, and many, many more, by the way. JB, welcome to the studio. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for coming to my backyard. It's so cool. I can't believe how many people live in Las Vegas. And let's start there because you and I are from a genre where we would come to Las Vegas because our guys were actually paid money to go to the club. You know, maybe 10 grand with the bottle service. They would pay them. And I remember the first shift in the paradigm of Las Vegas was, you know, we were some Hall of Famers standing in line and, you know, not only weren't they paying us, but they were thanking us and giving us a discount of like <laughs> seven grand and giving us a better table. And I go, no, no, these are three Hall of Fame quarterbacks. We have to pay to get in and well, we'll give you one bottle. <laughs> you know, what, what are really some of the things that you've seen here specifically in Las Vegas as we've evolved Las Vegas into one of the greatest sports cities in the world. Yeah, I mean, you know, in so many ways, uh, it's funny that you asked this question because you started with Million Dollar Arms. So when I came here, you know, Fox 5 interviews me, the movie's coming out, and they say, you know, I think sport, you think a sporting team will ever come here? And I said, no, you know, I don't think so. And, uh, you know, within five years, pretty much everybody's here now, and baseball's coming and basketball's coming. But, you know, between the Aces and, and the uh, Raiders and, and the Knights, we've already got a pretty big head start. And, and when you think about what that means for the city, um, what I, I look at as a businessman is the tectonic shift in the percentage of gambling revenue versus all other revenues. So, David, you and I were just talking about a time when we come here exactly. I was in my 30s. I was living in Marina Del Rey, and I'd come for the weekend to play poker. Yeah. And, you know, and then I'd come back. And it was never a thought that you'd live here or that you'd set up a business here, despite the taxes. Um, but what you've seen is now with the sports teams coming in and all the support industries that are around those sports teams, and then the media that's built around the sports teams, and then a Tesla moves into the state, and, and things really start to change. There's a lot of aerospace now in the state. And so uh, for the first time ever, more than 50% uh, of revenue uh, since COVID, obviously, it was going right into COVID, but, uh, and now it's back to that. More than 50% of total revenue is coming from non-gaming, which is you know, incredible because it probably was 80 to 90%. And they were giving away the rooms and the meals. And we're talking about different platforms that you can watch sports on, bet sports on, play fantasy on. And they, they change, and the devices change. I was, like, super surprised you had probably the coolest Samsung phone I've ever seen, that flip one. You were showing me commercials of Barry for, Sanders. For blind and, old agents. Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> but we were also talking about it also means that the audience is changing because you wouldn't have been or had that phone five years ago. And you still like to play games and you like to do stuff. And we have more disposable income, you and I, than – a 19-year-old that was the original target of the online fantasy player, the original target of the online gambler. And now that it's gone mainstream, we see huge opportunities for athletes because instead of wanting the young athlete, 
that may or may not, you know, you, you believe it or not, you know, some young kids on my TikTok don't know who Warren Moon are. Right? They, they just don't. But the people who gamble that have disposable income, high net wealth individuals that are now using these platforms, they die over Warren Moon and Barry Sanders, et cetera. And I see so much a rebirth of there's a little period where all you got was card signing. You know, the people would show up to the show and, oh, my God, that's Joe Montana. Now you see them on commercials. <laughs> you know, if the old guys are making a Even Icky Woods made a huge comeback. What, what do you uh, give credit to for this resurgence of using these Hall of Fame athletes? So that, that's such a great question. And it's so topical because I represent a lot of those guys. So, you know, take a Barry Sanders who hasn't, uh, you know, been in a game since 1998. But I think... Um, Although Detroit would really like to have him back, even at his age. <laughs> you know, I, I still think he could probably get a couple of yards. Yeah. But, but, you know, when you really think about what that means is, so two things have happened. One is video games have allowed players like Barry, who were electric and really of a different age, but yet um, still would have an appeal to this younger generation. So um, EA Sports and obviously Madden has been a big part of Barry's brand, and he's been a big part of theirs, and so... That's been one bridge. But I think the other thing that's really been interesting is, you know, I've been on all sides just like you. I've been a guy who has to buy sponsorships, sell sponsorships, buy athletes, sell athletes. And so when you look at um, the perils of buying a property right now as a sponsor, um, you look at athletes who you thought were locks over the last few years that have turned out to be a disaster uh, for the brand, for everything, and massive wastes of money. And then you look and say, well, we can use these tried and true guys that we know are not going to get in trouble, that we know are going to have the right performance, that are going to be grateful and, and quite frankly, more affordable. Because I think the third thing is salaries. So if I'm Pat Mahomes and I make uh, $51 million a year, how much does Pepsi have to pay Pat Mahomes to waste a day and come and do a commercial? think you know you get to a point where um salaries are, are weeding out a lot of the top players and to pay eight hundred thousand dollars for a second tier guy well you might as well pay barry or jerry rice or, a group or something of like them. that yeah yeah right which makes exactly. more opportunities hey, hey well. don't bid me down here buddy yeah, no, no. <laughs> oh sorry about that uh, i was trying to set i was trying to set level price yeah but let me level up for you as well because you and i both have been blessed to do some marketing within the context of the hall of fame and the hall of famers that i've represented and marketed as well and one of the key things that i think a lot of people miss that you don't is that beyond the risk of a younger athlete the younger athlete is still focused in on playing, regardless of the 50 million, but they're also not as seasoned as a Barry Sanders that has been on TV for 30 years. 30, and you and I both know, like these interviews, I couldn't do this five years ago. I'm getting really good at it because I do it every day. So I see- You are, you are getting good at it. <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah. but like Jerry Rice and, and Barry Sanders and you know the guys that I see in the Heisman house with Nissan, et cetera, they're really good actors. And they're extremely articulate. And look, I have all the respect in the world for, you know, the kid, we won't even say his name, the quarterback in Baltimore. But you cannot put him on TV or in the Heisman House or in other opportunities. Maybe someday Lamar will be there, but you can't do it. And so I think this is something that a lot of people with the repurposing of content, the amplification of content, the value of the seasoned athlete beyond recognition is the power of their ability to articulate the value of the company. So you're dead on, right? So I look at it like, you know, if I had 
10 athletes. I'm a GM of that team almost. And I say, okay, well, this, they can't all play the same position. So this guy's going to do a lot of consumer marketing. This guy's really good on one-on-one. There's all, there's, this guy is charity. He's going to be all about his foundations. But at the end of the day, you know, I think you and I both would encourage any player to think about what's your brand, and then any commercialization should emanate from that. Because anything other than that, fans are going to feel it out. It's going to feel very, very fake. It's not going to be genuine. You're going to be at the point where you're looking at um, your fans, and they're going to be saying, you stand for this, and why are you doing an ad for that? And it's just because you're in a transactional mode rather than trying to actually build a brand that then does what we just talked about, endures a long time after your legacy. So I, I think there's probably a lot of factors that, that are contributing to the, um, I, I would say, expanded use of retired players. But by the same token, um, you know, I'm sure uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and uh, what's-his-face get paid uh, more money for that uh, insurance State commercial Farm, yeah. Yeah, for States <laughs> Farm than we got paid all summer for running around for 80 shoots. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'd, I'd rather not get paid and then get hit like those guys get hit today. I was at some of those uh, training, uh, and the guys keep getting bigger and stronger and faster. And Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, you know, those are two guys I'm not sure. I'm, I'll take the jobs we've had. We're doing just fine, and... And our knees still work, and our brains still uh, are all right. No, tell me, I'll tell you two funny things. So Sanders, uh, we were at Hard Knocks. You know, he's fifty-four. Yeah, episode two, by the way, with Barry Sanders is incredible. If you haven't watched it, check it out. And and yeah, there's all kinds of. We, he was out there all day, but it was kind of cool. He he was you know he's saying, hey, I could think I could go with grass like this, and they <laughs> showed like a flashback, and he's on dirt <laughs> in, the, in in the old training facility in the Pontiac, and. <laughs> And there literally was a dirt field, and it was a chain-link locker. And, and, you know, in his mind, it was nice. It was a nice facility. And so, yeah, times change, um, and you talked about it. it's not It's the facilities. It's the technology that's been built into the game. When we, we played, turf was basically the same turf that you have the doormat on the cement of your door. <laughs> and basically it was cement with just that. And now it's got the rubber shavings in it, and it really is very close to grass. The helmet things in preseason this year is a big new thing. Obviously, the concussion monitors, the mouth guards. I mean, we've seen so many things. All that investment in safety, I think, is that's the longevity of the game. And, and But to your original point about branding, that's just yet another channel in which an athlete can brand safety. Yeah. Inclusion, DEI, right? So, like, there's always a space for you to be able to commercialize. It's just got to be real. Yeah, and to that end, you know, we still consult and give advice to young athletes. And, you know, beyond the brand side, which I encourage everyone, not just athletes, everyone is an entrepreneur that they now make capes for to brand yourself. Your brand can carry a community for the rest of your life, and that spectrum can be monetized, and it will keep growing if you stay true to yourself. Um, so, so let me ask you a question. Sure. Since you talk to all these young athletes, yeah. what do you tell them about NIL? I, I, it's interesting because I think there's a variety of things. One, the big athletes, I say this is just a validation of what you would do anyway, most people. I, I think it's great because money was moving hands with the biggest athletes in the NCAA every year. And I've mm -hmm. witnessed it sometimes. Better to be above the table. Yeah, and now you get the car dealership who's a huge Texas A&M alumni, and he's actually getting value for giving the kid money to stand at the, <laughs> right? Of course. So I love that. What's really interesting, and, and I, you know, I'm 
someone who is more interested than interesting. I look at communities and I teach young athletes that never had a naming image and likeness opportunity. So I'll give you an example. Harvard's captain of their hockey team. Nobody ever wanted to give that kid money, <laughs> right? They, they didn't want to market him, but he's on the Olympic team. He'll probably end up running a hedge fund someday. But I looked and did research on who follows him. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, not millions of people, but the AD at Harvard, all in fact, the coaches in the Ivy League, a lot of Olympian hockey and pro hockey players follow this kid. So I paid him 200 bucks a month to post Dave Meltzer videos because it was organic, right? So I, and then this kid starts picking up on, oh shoot, you know, if I just get like five Dave Meltzers, that's a thousand dollars a month. And that's a lot of money, whether you're Harvard or not. Of course, of course. And so I'm looking for those type of opportunities to not only teach the kids how you can utilize social media to market your name, image, and likeness, but more importantly, where I see the opportunity is in the business development. The, right now, there's a lot of dancing bears on social media. You don't want to be Rocky Balboa holding up the Old Spice because you know, it doesn't last. But what you can do, and you know, the kid from San Francisco that was in the other movie, um, The Game Stands Tall, Cam. Uh, and Cam, when he was with the Niners, he was never a great player. But what he did is he networked. Like, uh, you know else, the running back for Cal the great kid, he, he was in the Super Bowl running back for the Rams late. He came in late, uh, and I'm blowing his name, but C.J. Anderson. Oh, C.J. C.J., right? Sure. C.J.'s another kid. Those guys just worked the Silicon Valley, and when they graduated from playing football, they had a huge business development, like Tiger 21, one of the greatest networking groups in the world that you are involved with and I hope to be involved with someday. That's what C.J. did. So I think when I look at NIL, it's not just the dancing bear that look, I'm the quarterback at Alabama, so I'm gonna get a million bucks, I get it. Where I'm really interested is, how can these other kids that never had an opportunity to make money while they're in college, figure out not only how to make money in college, but how to build a network or community that they can take advantage of with the brains that they have and the education they get. So it's such a great point. I, I, I wanted to ask you what you thought, so I, here's my two cents is, I agree with everything you said and I'll layer this on top of it is I think they should get paid, but I think it should be put into trust, which does two things. One, it protects it because a lot of the kids don't go pro, and then obviously their NIL money ends as soon as they're not playing for Michigan and 100,000 people aren't screaming for them every weekend. So um, for every Aiden Hutchinson, there's uh, 105 non-Aiden Hutchinson. But um, all of those guys, uh, I believe that if they had made money with NIL, uh, through, through the NIL th- uh, rules now um, and had that money put in trust, they would do two things. One, they would have it when they graduate and ha- be able to start. Um, number two, whether it's down payment on house, starting their own business, but it would also teach them how to grow money. And so, you know, you talked uh, very specifically about them learning how to monetize their brands and how to value their brands and those, but I think it's also, you know, we're really lacking this fiduciary respo- uh, responsibility understanding and a financial intelligence that's missing, and you're getting this money so young, this is an incredible opportunity that I think may have gotten missed for the NCA to say, pay these kids as much as you want, let them learn how to negotiate, and then they can have it all when they're 21, and by the way, they'll get to understand, because if you know if a kid puts a million bucks away when he's 18, when he's 21, he's gonna look at it and be like, where'd all this extra money came from? Yeah. 
And, and if you can inspire that kind of thought in the kids who's now going to be handed a $50 million check. So it doesn't just protect the kid who's never going to see another check. It protects the, you know, $27 million Aiden Hutchinson. He, happens, he comes from a good family, so you don't have to worry. Yeah, but Cam Newton, that was a piece yeah, yeah. of advice I gave him when he got his guaranteed money. I said, put half of it into IULs, annuities. And I said, when you blow the other half, you'll be thanking Uncle Dave for telling you to put that away. And so I'd be good. I, I think some of the kids need some of the liquid side. So, uh, you know, whether it's 50 or 80% away, mm-hmm. there should be an amount that's there when they're 21 that after they've learned the lessons of blowing it. And you're looking at someone that had to learn the lessons later on with the law degree business, education, et cetera. And I still lost it. It's not easy to keep your money, as you know, which is, you know, part of the reason you're involved in what you do in inspiring people. Um, last question, real quick, sure. because I can't help but ask you about it. We're in Vegas, and one of the most shocking things to me, especially in baseball, is I go into baseball stadiums and they're promoting gambling. They're pro- they're, it's not like they they allow it, right? It's without it, I'm not sure the sport would exist. Yeah, uh, it's mind blowing because you think like you know, what's what's what must Pete Rose think? This poor he, guy no is here shit, at Caesars, a, he's Caesars every back. week. And I see him parked out back there with his little Rolls Royce, <laughs> King, and man, he—he—he's. This has got to be painful. I mean, I understand there have been a lot of people blackballed from the Hall of Fame, but Pete specifically, um, and and I don't know if anybody from the White Sox, uh, 1919 right. White she Sox, is still around. <laughs> but 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 you know, I really feel like he's got to look at this like. And by the way, you, you laugh is we may we may be uh, doing the first bet at the sportsbook opening at the Carol at the uh, uh, Cardinals Stadium. Wow! So there's literally a, a BetMGM sportsbook opening at that uh, at that stadium. So it it blows my mind. It yeah. blows my mind. I think it's good for the sport. I do as long as it's regulated and educated properly. Well, we're gonna do a lot more with this guy because we're in Vegas a lot. JB Bernstein, one of my close friends, a mentor from afar and close. I know now we're meant to be together. I want to congratulate you on your huge success, which is not only your success, but what I love about JB is the success of the people that you have helped throughout the years. And I know you take more joy in that than your own success. And I love your legacy of who you've inspired and empowered. So thanks for joining me. This is Dave Meltzer here live at the win with the Blue Wire Studios.